0: Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I'll be reading from 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 12 to 21, and that's on page 860. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God.
1: God. Well, good morning, nice to be with you. Um, it's good to be back amongst you. My body is telling me it's about 20 past one in the morning, UK time, but trust me, I am here, a bit jet-lagged, but it's good to be here to open the scriptures together. Let me pray, and I hope that uh, you'll keep 2 Peter open as I preach. Uh, Father, thank you that you've given us this word. Thank you that you constantly remind us of what we need to hear. You know where we're at spiritually. You know our hearts and our minds. You know those of us who are encouraged, those of us who are struggling. So please, would you use these words this morning to spur us on, to keep our eyes fixed on our Saviour. And may we leave here certain and sure of our salvation. Ask that for Jesus' sake. I've got a friend, her name's Sophie, she's now a couple of years younger than me, so she's 38. Uh, She was 10 when her mother was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, She was too young to understand what was happening, her mum was in and out of hospital, she didn't didn't understand why the hair was falling out, etc. Her mum knew that uh, she was dying, her mum knew that she would never see Sophie grow up, and her mum knew that she would never Get the chance to see all the things that you just take for granted. You know, the year 12 formal or the engagement or the wedding or the first grandchild. Uh, if you were Sophie's mum, what would you want your daughter to know? How would you communicate to this girl that you would never see grow up? Uh, what Sophie's mum did was that she, she wrote a letter, a long letter. Telling her all the things that she wanted her to know about how much she loved her, uh, the good things about life, the bad things about life, the warnings, the joys, the comforts, and she just sat down and she just poured her heart out and wrote everything that she would want her daughter to know. As you can imagine, that letter's been read and reread and reread, and it's tear stained and it's been copied, and because it's a precious letter from a dying mother to her precious daughter. If you were dying, what would you want your your family or your friends to know? If you knew that you would not see them and you couldn't have a chance to teach them and to train them, what would you want to leave them with? That's the kind of letter we've got here in front of us called 2 Peter. It's a letter from a man who is dying. And he's writing to Christians who he might never see again. And he wants to teach them some things, to remind them of some things. Look at verse 13 with me. He said, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Uh, For Peter, his body isn't a home. His body isn't permanent. For Peter, his body is just a tent. It's transitory. He knows his real body, his permanent home, is waiting for him in the next life. And he knows he's about to die, verse 14, because I know I will soon put aside this body as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. How has Jesus made it clear that Peter's about to die? Well, Jesus told Peter when he was alive, John 21, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hand, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And here's Peter, he's about 60, he's watched his friends die, he's facing torture and mocking and persecution. He knows he's about to die. Uh, We know from history that that Peter was crucified, his arms stretched out, apparently in an inverted crucifix. So what does Peter want to leave his readers with? I find it fascinating that the letter from a dying man doesn't teach his people new complex doctrines. He's not there to impress them. He's not there to give them new ideas. He wants to make sure that the people he leaves behind Just stick with Jesus. He wants to make sure that these Christians who he's met, that he loves, that they're not drifting from the faith. He wants to make sure and to make certain the people that he's teaching will be there alongside him on that final day. What Peter says to you and to me this morning is actually really simple. I've got one main word for you. It's here. The word is remember. Remember. Or lest we forget. We say it every year, don't we? Lest we forget. Every year you stop and you you remember those who died for the sake of our freedom. We remember what it cost them. We weren't there. Our children weren't there. But we want to teach them so they remember, lest you forget. And that's what Peter's basic message is lest you forget. Please don't forget the basic truths of the gospel. Three times in these verses he he uses that word remember. Uh, Verse 12, I'll always remind you, same word, I'll always remind you of these things. Verse 13, I think it right to refresh your memory. Uh, Verse 15, I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you'll always be able to remember these things. Uh, What are these things that he wants them to remember? It's all the things he said before in verses 1 to 11 that God has rescued them, that God has elected them, that God has chosen them in his grace and his mercy, that God has reached out to them and and lifted them from the ash heap and lifted them to the throne of glory. How can they be sure about that? Well, verse 5 tells us to make every effort to add to your faith goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and kindness and love. see, how can you be sure of your faith? by holding on to those basic truths. That God has elected you, but you make the effort to grow in your faith. And isn't that what you want to hear? Week in, week out, year in, year out. Every time you walk through these doors, you want to be reminded of who Jesus is, what he came to do, that God has chosen you, but to work out your faith. It's nothing new. As a preacher, one of the struggles is to come up with new things each week. A refreshing quote by Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says this. He says, The business of the church and the business of the preacher is not to present us with new, interesting ideas. It's to keep on reminding your people of certain fundamental and eternal truths. And that's just refreshing. And see, these Christians knew it. Verse 12, I will remind you of these things even though you know them. You are firmly established in the truth you now have. They knew that Jesus was their Lord and Savior. They knew about election. They knew about grace. They knew about goodness. They knew about glory. But Peter felt the need to remind them. Why? Why do you need to keep reminding people of the same things time and time and time again? I'll tell you why. Because if you're like me, you're tempted to listen to the new ideas. New is always more exciting, isn't that right? That's the basic advertiser's ploy. People like new ideas, package the same thing in new ways, and people will think that they need it and they'll buy it. Same with Christianity. You get bored. Bored of the same routines, bored of the same songs, bored of the same Bible readings, bored, bored, bored. And you're looking for something new all the time. And Peter's saying, no, 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 no. Stick with the same old, same old. More than that, we need to be reminded because it's very easy to drift no matter how firm you might think you are in your faith, no matter how mature you might think you are, you're still prone to drift because you are bombarded uh, from nine to five by a world teaching you things which are against the Bible. And it's easy to swallow those ideas and to drift. I've watched many, many friends do that. But I reckon the, the main reason we need to keep on being reminded of these things is that we quickly, quickly forget. It's like we've got spiritual amnesia. Have You ever met someone with amnesia? It's just embarrassing. They they can't remember who you are. It's upsetting and distressing because they can't remember where they put things. It's painful. And yet I keep meeting people who have spiritual amnesia. We forget the sermon from last week. You forget what you read in your Bible that morning. You forget the simple truths of forgiveness of grace, of mercy, of glory. You just forget them. And we're like little kids that need to be reminded all the time. Constantly remember what Jesus said and what he didn't say, what he promised and what he didn't promise. Remember, remember, remember. It's John Stott who says that every day he wakes up and he preaches the gospel to himself again. Good morning, John Stott. I'm a sinner. God loves me. He sent Jesus to die for me. I'm heading for glory. Let me live for you today. See, most people I know who have drifted, they do remember the facts. It's not that they've forgotten the facts. It's just that those facts no longer actually impact the way that they live. You ever had that experience? I had it over in England. I went to a uh, a natural history museum and my mind was being jogged all the time about this stuff that I'd learned in biology and the stuff that I'd learned in physics. and It all came flooding back to me, but I'd forgotten it. It's there somewhere in my mind, but I'd just forgotten it because I haven't used it recently. It's a bit like that with our Christian faith. Unless you actually use your faith every day, it will just go into the recess of your mind and you'll just just slowly, slowly forget the truth of the gospel. So how do you do it? How do you keep on remembering the basic truth of the gospel? Right, look at verse 15. Peter says, I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Now, How did Peter ensure that they were always able to remember these things? Well, he wrote it down. He did exactly what Sophie's mum did. He actually sat down with pen and paper or with papyrus and he just wrote down the truths of Jesus. We've got it here in 1 Peter, in 2 Peter. Uh, By all accounts, it's actually Peter who inspired Mark to write his gospel, Mark's gospel. But, But Peter helped the Christians to remember things by writing them down. And that's what frustrates me about things. I keep meeting people who are struggling their faith and drifting their faith and they can't remember this stuff. And I say to them, uh, when was the last time you, you read the Bible? Oh, ages ago. And I sit down with them and I, I read the scriptures to them and suddenly it all comes flooding back. Why are we so slow to open the Bible and just fill our minds with the stuff that we need to remember? Maybe you need to do the uh, Simply Christianity course again. And again, and again, forget the, the deeper theological truths. Let's just go back to basics. Remind yourself of grace. Remind yourself of forgiveness. Remind yourself there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation and to remind yourself how glorious Jesus is. Maybe once a year, do simply Christianity just to remember the basic truths of the gospel. Lest you forget. But what is it in particular that Peter is keen that these Christians never, never forget what will help them to stand firm in their faith. That's my second point this morning. Here it is: it's that Jesus will return, or well, the end is nigh. That's the backdrop for Peter's life. Every day he wakes up and says, "Today could be the day." Verse 16. Oh, we didn't didn't follow cleverly invented stories or, or myths or the stuff that you find in the, the NW magazine, we didn't follow those ideas when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's not talking about the first coming of Jesus. He's not talking about the, the incarnation. The word for coming there is parousia. Every time it's used in the New Testament, it's talking about the second coming. When Jesus comes again with power and with glory, when Jesus comes with honor and every eye will see him, And Peter's saying that please, please remember that Jesus Christ is going to come back. You see, Peter saw it. He says, I was an eyewitness of it. Verse 17: He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic God, saying, This is my son, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. We heard his voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Uh, Peter's saying, remember, actually, I was there, and I saw him. I've got competing phones. I've got one there, and I've got one over here. You're about to hear the answer phone. No, it's gone. How do you know? How can you be certain that, that Jesus is going to return? Peter says, if you'd been there, you would have seen it. That is bizarre. How could Peter say that he has seen the return of Jesus? It hasn't happened yet. Remember that day when Jesus turned to Peter and he said, Who do you say I am? And Peter said, Oh, you're the Christ, Son of God. And then Jesus grabbed Peter and he grabbed James and he grabbed John and he took him to a mountain, high up on a mountain. And on that mountain, what happened to Jesus. He was transfigured. And Peter and James and John saw the transfigured Lord Jesus Christ and they heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my son, listen to him. And what Peter's saying to these Christians is, you can be certain, you can be sure that Jesus Christ will return because I've seen it and I've heard the words. Uh, More than that, Uh, For many, many, many years, hundreds of years before that, verse 19, we have the words of the prophets. We have the words of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Amos and Daniel and Hosea and Nahum, all of whom predicted the day when Judgment Day would happen called the Day of the Lord and God would return to wrap up his world. But verse 19, you have the words of the prophet made more certain, uh, more confident, more sure, because Jesus has now come. So please, verse 19, pay attention to it. Listen to it. Uh, let this, 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 this certainty, this truth of the return of Jesus be the backdrop of your life. Because it will give you light. Light shining in a dark place. It will give light to your lives. It will be like a torch that lights up your future. It's the light at the end of the tunnel if you want. So he's saying, you idiots. Stop living each day as if Jesus Christ was not about to return. Until that day, until the the day dawns, until the the morning star, that is Jesus Christ, rises in your hearts, until that day, live with the backdrop is, Jesus Christ is going to return. How can you be confident it's true? Well, verse 20, that these prophecies of, of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Hosea and Daniel, they didn't come by the man's own interpretation. Jeremiah didn't wake up one day and think, oh, I think I'll write about the return of Jesus. Verse 21, He spoke from God. They're the very words of God. They're inspired by the Holy Spirit. See, I'm not sure that I live each day with that as my backdrop. Uh, We spent some time, about four hours on, on Thursday afternoon, planning the church calendar for 2011. And not once did I stop and think, these are all great things to plan, but you know what? Jesus Christ could return before that. And we plan our holidays for next year and the year after. We plan our long service leave. We plan our retirements. and We never stop and think. Jesus could come back before that. see, if we did remember, if we did remind ourselves each morning, yes, that our election is sure, but, but actually Christ is going to return, how would your life look different? Just think about that question. If you woke up tomorrow morning with that as a backdrop, Christ is returning, how would your days look different? It would change the way you talk to people. It would change your attitude towards your possessions. It would change the way you spend your time. It would change your attitudes towards ill health. Why are we so slow to remember this basic truth? that there's going to be a day where you stand before your Savior and he will say, I died for you, welcome home. See, so the real issue is that it's not that we don't know that Jesus Christ has return; it's that we just forget it. Because we fill our, our heads and we fill our brains and we fill our hearts with such rubbish. And we listen to the newspapers and we listen to the news and we watch the TV but we don't read our Bibles. We do have the words of the prophets made more certain because we have the words of Peter and James and John and Matthew and Mark and Luke. It's all here in English, in our own language, in the Scriptures. But we look for answers in anything but the Bible. I find it extraordinary that you can go into any bookshop in any part of Australia and pick up a Bible and know that you've got them in your own home. And yet when it comes to the basic things of life, it's often the last thing we pick up and read, isn't it? Lord Sharsby said these words. He's the the great social reformer. He said, I don't think in the last 40 years I've lived one conscious hour that wasn't influenced by the thought of our Lord Jesus' return. I don't think I've, I've lived one conscious hour that wasn't influenced by the thought of our Lord's return. And my plea for you this morning is to remember that. As you leave church, as you spend time with family and friends this afternoon, as you go to work tomorrow, as you live through this week, remember, remember, remember. Refresh yourself, remind yourself, I'm not living for now, I'm living for the future. This is not my home, but heaven is my home. My security, my hope, my certainty is not in my possessions, but it's in my saviour. Remember those things and just maybe, maybe that will radically change the way that you live. Let me pray. We have the words of the prophets made more certain. Father, we thank you that you have revealed to us who Jesus is. You've shown us his life, his death his resurrection, and now we're waiting. We're waiting for his return. I thank you, Lord, that we can be confident of that because your apostles saw it, your prophets spoke about it, you've recorded it for us here in Scripture. Forgive us, Father, for times where we so easily forget. Forgive us for times when the truths that we know just don't change the way that we live. Help us to know your scriptures so well that they come to mind, that they refresh us. Help us, Lord, to live each day with that backdrop that Jesus is is coming again. And we ask that for his name's sake.